Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to another installment of New Books in Poetry's month-long celebration of the chapbook, Chapbook of Palooza. I am your host, Jen Fitzgerald. Noah Stetzer is a graduate of the MFA program for writers at Warren Wilson College and has received scholarships from the Lambda Literary Retreat for Emerging LGBT Writers and from the Bread Loaf's Bread Loaf Writers Conference. He is an alum of the Young Writers Workshop at University of Virginia. Noah's poems have appeared at Nimrod, James Franco Review, and Bellevue Literary Review. Born and raised in Pittsburgh, Noah now lives in Washington, D.C. area and online at noahstetzer.com. Welcome, Noah. Hi, good morning. So there is a lot to talk about with this chapbook. I'd like to jump right in with the poem. Would you please read Driving Lessons on page 8? Sure, I'd be happy to. Driving Lessons. I remember counting the seconds it took for an oncoming car in the far right lane to come past us, and then the seconds it took for me to make a left-hand turn. Small numbers to make it across one lane. Reasonable risk. Easy work. My father wanted me to see that I have more time than I might think. It's the momentum and the seconds to get to the other side. Feeling through the pedal, the pool of combustion run up your leg from your foot, and the windows on all sides lit up with street and the traffic coming at you, with only seconds and trusting they see you, while the 4,000 pounds of car around you moves fast, that can make it feel dangerous. My father would say, the stuff on the dashboard now shouldn't be there. It's distracting, all that stuff from your pockets. The blood test order and the dry cleaner's ticket reflecting in the window. You'll see that and not the road. Thank you. Um, I really love the final image here, the multi-layered meaning of distraction. When you are in the initial drafts of a piece, do you work towards a final image like that, or does it surprise you? It often surprises me. Um, And a lot of times when I'm working on a poem, I work past I work past the final image. I'm sure we all do this mm-hmm. um, so that when I go back in revisions and edits, I realize, oh, <laughs> we need to stop way back up here at the dashboard. You know, um, yes. it feels it really did it. Most of my poems endings sort of lift me out of my chair and I get so uncomfortable because they're so obviously what where the poem wanted to go. But I had no idea that that's what I intended to do. And it just sort of startles me out of my seat. Mm -hmm. So how many drafts do you normally take a piece through? Mm, My gosh, that's a great question. Um, Well, I do a lot of um, free writing or uh, morning pages. Uh, I use a or I used to use a site called 750 words. Um, that really supports that idea of just free writing drafting first thing in the morning. Um, just to get a lot of things going and get myself warm with the language. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's typically how it starts. 
Um, and then I would probably take that sort of raw material through maybe three or four drafts. Um, okay. Some things that are several years old, I'm still tinkering with. So, but three or four, I think is is typical. Okay, awesome. Um, so let's hear another poem. For the next one, would you please read "Now Voyager" on page fourteen? <clears throat> sure, I'd be happy to. <clears throat> now Voyager. It was like dreaming, only realer. My cough at first pitched inside my chest, then snapped up and out. And like Voyager, I arced away, punched, shot, and spun through the ceiling and out from under the snow clouds. Here, the ICU nurse had said, we don't have conscious patients. Most come and go and never come out from under. Staring at the ceiling while she pushed the morphine in slowly, just the sound of something from the TV off to my right, I had started to fade and then sank inside an empty sleeping. Has it been days or only hours since you'd been here? Was I still sleeping or something different while I ricocheted and hurled, tumbling forward, my rotation equal to the square root of my infection? At the far end of our abscess, I hovered almost past our gravity, where I was almost not in orbit with you. We're what they call a two-body problem. It's like double planets. But I was out there at the far end, and what you didn't know but I did, that the stars are far apart that far. And with my hearing stretched as far as I could, there wasn't a whisper, not a murmur, not even static, that I might have called something more or even evidence of something more. But then the slightest bit of something else, just a fraction of mass or maybe gravity way far behind my back or maybe rounds or maybe nurses. And with nothing out there that far, just soundless dust and my chest burning to breathe again, had it been days or only hours, maybe minutes at the outlier edge, the far reaches with just the faintest heat against my back and the cold night as far as I could see, I glanced behind at what I didn't want to know. You, by yourself, it looked like for weeks in our empty house, collecting dishes in the sink, dirty clothes on the floor, unmade beds and heaps of used bath towels, vacant rooms, an empty refrigerator. The cabinet doors may just as well hang open, and the dogs may just as well run off. The aching house with just you pacing lines from floor to floor to room to desk to chair, looking for what you can't fucking remember, while at the far reaches, what's left of momentum, multiplied by the mass of just one question, turns and pulls me homeward, something like a call or string or thought, something sticky like a magnet or maybe just wet sugar, keeps, draws, leads, takes, carries, and brings me circling round until turning back at last I face what I cannot leave and cannot recall, something I need and even more want. Thank you. Um, this is one of my favorite pieces from the collection. Um, what I like about it, um, besides the masterful use of language, is how when readers will look at this on the page, um, the couplets somewhat sprawl, but the language is very taut. So it's almost like the the eye and the ear are working against one another. I mean, did, did you, um, I'm not going to you know, ask if you drafted towards this, but um, is this something that you were aware of in the work? 
Um, I was. This is one of the, um, I think there's a couple poems that sort of fall into this um, sort of uh, on the edge of uncontrollableness. Mm. Um, and this is one of the poems that, that um, I, I worked hard on because there is a certain sort of like, sort of almost ecstatic, almost like um, breathless um, franticness to the poem. Um, and so really um, trying to keep sort of a, a knife's edge um, control over it, but still allowing it to have that um, panicky sense um, was something that was very much a part of the work I did as I continued to draft this poem, mm-hmm. what to keep, what to let go, um, you know, sort of present it as something that looks like it's, you know, sort of, uh, you know, sort of crafted elegantly with couplets, but at the same time has a real sense of, of panic and, um, um, and fear. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, you handled that really well with this because I did feel as though I was being cast off and just as I got to the point of no return, pulled back in. So, um, like I said, this is one of my favorite pieces. There is um, a narrative that the reader can easily follow. Did this happen organically or had you already delineated the narrative by time or event? Um, in the poem or in the book? In the, in the collection as a whole. In the collection. Um, I, it the poems uh, are not in the book in the order in which they were written. Um, but um, as I put this together, it seemed, um, you know, the, the, you know, using a chapbook format, it's sort of a smaller, tighter space that it seemed best to just sort of follow kind of a chronological order of, of an experience of um, landing in the hospital um, through an acute Infection and then sort of coming out the other end of that and, and arriving back home, dealing with sort of the chronic implications of an HIV infection. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yes. So yes. it does kind of that was sort of the thing that was in my head uh, when I sent this in is that it, it kind of moved through those two um, fields. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually a really interesting thing that I- I'm dealing with in my own work is that when you have this um, overarching idea of a linear narrative, but the impulse to write is taking you in much different directions. You know, we- with you, you followed that impulse and then imposed the you know the linear on it later, which is really brilliant. It, and, and what was really exciting for me, and and you know, I guess we're always learning. I, there are poems. There are like one of the last poems in the book is one of the first poems I wrote. Um, and so in putting a, a manuscript together, I think that's one of the, the real joys, at least that I found for myself, is that realizing something I was um, struggling to understand in a very early poem fits so perfectly towards the end, mm-hmm. you know. Yes, absolutely. Um, and to finish off our interview, I'd love if you could read the last poem in the collection, Use, on page 25. Sure. <clears throat> Use. Stand me up naked in the carport and go at my legs with Brillo pads and Comet cleanser. Go ahead and draw blood if you think that makes a difference. I've soaked myself in Drano baths and picked at scabs along my lips but this won't come out. 
Use my blood-stained toothbrush to scrub my toenails with your thumb pressed hard against the cold hose nozzle. Unfold a stepladder, climb up, and frown at the grime on the top of my head. Pour uncut bleach to peel it clean and wipe down my, my dirt-stained back with ammonia-soaked socks. Do you think I haven't scoured with vinegar and arm and hammer inside my thighs up under my legs to get it clean? Your, ha- your left hand grips my shoulder while your right fills my mouth with Baraxo soap. Push in close with stinging water so the thin skin inside my armpits tears. Press it into my ear so grim rivulets rush out while I watch a moth flutter up against the yellow bug light, the shadow stuttering along the ceiling and the cement where water runs dark now into the yard. And still, black sickles will smile along each fingernail. I'm loaded up and shot through, a weapon armed without a timer. Bend me over at right angles, hold my leg and rinse my teeth, hook your fingers in my mouth and graze my hair-trigger tongue. I'm still a gun pointing down the driveway. Mm, That last image just, it really sticks with you. This is a really powerful poem, and it pains me to think of the speaker imagining all these ways in which one could or would be cleansed or purged. Was this a difficult poem to write? It was. um, This this came out of um, a lot of the, uh, um, a lot of the language uh, in the community where, uh, like, uh, one, one gay man might ask another gay man, like, are you clean? Meaning, are you HIV negative? Mm-hmm. Um, and so this was my response to that. And that's very prevalent. That's just sort of a standard way of talking. Um, and this was my response to that. Um, that the pervasiveness of it, um, just seemed to be hammering around me again and again um and so um it was it was a tough thing to get into because it's um it's a weird place to be to think that that a person might not be you know like to deal with stigma i guess i guess this is a poem that really is trying to push up against stigma and and where it comes from and what a person does with it or what i try to do with it and also the absurdity of using a word like clean to define a person, right? Because, I mean, that, that is loaded in and of itself and, and highly inappropriate in almost every way you could possibly think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and this seemed to be like a real way to undermine the ridiculousness of that, yes. to take the opposite of that to its ultimate extreme. And you did a wonderful job. Oh, thank you. Um, so I want to thank you, Noah, for being part of our Chapbook Festival and for sharing your work today. Oh, thank you so much. It was a real pleasure. This has been Jen Fitzgerald with New Books and Poetry, reminding you to support all the arts, but especially poetry. Poetry.